0: Hi, I'm Randy Weddle. I'm your host for Creation Anew. I pastor two churches in Indiana. Community Church of Mooresville, located in Mooresville, Indiana, and I also pastor Mount Pleasant Christian Church, located in the great town of Hall, Indiana. And this podcast is designed to challenge both believers in Jesus Christ and those who don't believe. I want to challenge believers to grow in their faith. And I want to challenge non-believers to take a serious look at the Bible. Are you ready? Let's get started. Well hello again everybody. Welcome to the Sunday edition of Creation Anew. And if you've been following along, you know that we are going through the book of Revelation on our Sunday editions and uh, this this uh, episode is no different so we find ourselves at Revelation chapter 2 verses 18 through 29 what I'd like to do is uh, go ahead and read that and then uh, and then we'll get started Revelation chapter 2 verses 18 through 29 says this and to the angel of the church in Thyatira write the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and His feet are like burnished bronze, says this, I know your deeds, and your love, and faith, and service, and perseverance, and that your deeds of late are greater than at first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and she teaches and leads my bondservants astray, so that they commit acts of immorality, and eat things sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, and she does not want to repent of her immorality. Behold, I will throw her on a bed of sickness, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of her deeds. And I will kill her children with pestilence, and all the churches will know, That I am he who searches the minds and hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your deeds. But I say to you, the rest who are in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not known the deep things of Satan, as they call them, I place no other burden on you. Nevertheless, what you have, hold fast until I come. He who overcomes and he who gives, and he, excuse me, let's, let's start at verse 26 again. He who overcomes, and he who keeps my deeds until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of the potter are broken to pieces, as I also have received authority from my father. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit Says to the churches. Okay, so what we're doing here in this section of Revelation is we're going through messages that Jesus is sending to seven pastors of seven churches. And uh, you've heard me say before the reason why, you know, many people will say these are messages to seven churches. And I really, I'm going to humbly disagree. That, uh, and, and maybe it's a thing where Jesus is giving these messages to the pastors to give to the churches. Now, you know, I'm, I'm willing to, to give on that one. Um, but my humble opinion, okay, and take it for what it's worth, my humble opinion is that Jesus is speaking to these pastors. The reason why is most of the time when you look into the Greek text, you're going to see Jesus addressing one person. The reason why I know that is the pronouns um, uh, that are in there are are singular. Most of them are singular, and so that's why I say that I, I believe that these are messages to the seven pastors of these seven churches. Okay, and and uh, I know that you know maybe I'm splitting hairs and such, but I I want to try to be as accurate as I possibly can. So we're talking about um, Jesus sending a message to the pastor at Thyatira. And first of all, Jesus, as he has been doing in these messages to the pastors, first identifies himself, and he identifies himself in this way to to the pastor at Thyatira, that he is the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire, now that flame of fire is a reference to Jesus' omniscience. Uh, it's, it's like an all-knowing gaze, if you will. It doesn't mean that Jesus literally has um, fire for eyes, but um, his, his eyes uh, can see all. And he he continues and identifies himself as someone as the one who has feet like burnished bronze so in other words like bronze coming out of an oven or out of a fire and it, it is a reference to his splendor to his to his holiness um, to to his purity so Jesus identifies himself and then he says that he understands and he, he knows this pastor Okay, and, and by the way, Jesus knows all of us, okay? Uh, you, can, you, can, uh, you cannot hide anything from him, and it's the case here with this angel. Jesus says that he knows the angel, another word for angel is pastor here, that the, the angel has works, has love, faith, service, and endurance. Now, those are good qualities to have. And in fact, it seems like the angel or the pastor is growing in the faith because Jesus says your final works are more excellent than the first. That means that he's progressing, he's growing in the faith. And Jesus continues, he says, Although those things are happening, I have this against you. And what is the problem? Well, the problem is that the pastor is tolerating the woman, Jezebel. Now, this Jezebel we know at Thyatira, is um, she calls herself a prophetess, we see that from the text. So she seems to to either want or or, uh, to claim that she has some kind of spiritual authority And many times that will be the case. You have someone that comes into a church and they will um, bring in a bad doctrine and they will claim um, they will put that doctrine over people because they claim to have some kind of spiritual upper hand on people. And it seems like that's what's going on here. So she claims to be a prophetess. In other words, she claims to be someone who's speaking for God. And the text goes on and says that this Jezebel teaches and deceives Jesus' servants to do these things to commit fornication or sexual immorality and to eat things offered to idols. So the name Jezebel. Uh, is very familiar and it's the name is usually associated with the evil woman from the Old Testament there was um, there was a, a Jezebel in the Old Testament and this Jezebel was married to one of the kings of Israel and this king's name was Ahab now the, the Jezebel of Thyatira is not the same as the one of the Old Testament the Old Testament uh, Jezebel died many years before John penned uh, Revelation. So we're not talking about the historical Jezebel of the Old Testament. We're, but let's go back and look at Jezebel, because I, I think what's going on is I'm not even convinced that the lady in um, in Thyatira even has the name Jezebel. I think Jesus is using that name um like uh, a way to describe her okay so sometimes when we have um, we have someone who is a traitor we'll call them a Benedict Arnold because of the the uh, the man from the revolutionary uh, times of the United States I think that's the same case here so let's take a look at the historical Jezebel and see why this woman in Thyatira would be called uh, Jezebel well the historical Jezebel was married to King Ahab and she seduced the king Ahab was one of the kings of Israel and she seduced him to do evil Now, you can find um, find more about Jezebel in 1st Kings chapter 16 verses 29 through 31 chapter 21 verses 25 and 26 and you can also go into Acts 15, verses 19 through 29. Now, this historical Jezebel, in 1 Kings 18, 4 and 5, killed many of the prophets of God. So she was an enemy of God. She also sided with enemies of God. In 1 Kings 18, 19, she fed 400 50 prophets of Baal which was a false god and 400 prophets of Asherah which was also a false god Baal being mostly uh, representing a, a male god and Asherah uh, more of a female god so she fed, she housed in, or she, she um, entertained I should say uh, the enemies of God as well now, there was a righteous man who was a prophet of God named Elijah. You may have heard of him. He's um, In 1 Kings, we read about him. And um, this historical Jezebel threatened Elijah's life. We find that in 1 Kings 19, verses 1 and 2. And she also, because her husband Ahab, wanted a field, a, a vineyard for his own, that belonged to a man named Named Naboth, well, she set up a plot to kill Naboth, who was an innocent man she she set up a plot to kill Naboth so her husband could take over his vineyard. You find that in first kings twenty one seven through fourteen and she um, she was an, she was just an evil woman. well, she met a pretty grisly demise. Uh, she was killed violently, and we find this in Second Kings nine verses thirty through thirty-seven. Um, she was uh, she fell off of a wall, and the Bible describes uh, as, as she hit the pavement, that blood splattered uh, all over the place, and then there was a gentleman that came along, and decided to run some horses and a cart over her body. And then when they decided that, that maybe they should bury her body, um, dogs had come and eaten most of her body. So she died um, a very violent death. And uh, even, even the Bible references that she was eaten by dogs so that there really wouldn't be a remembrance of her. So she was a terrible, terrible woman, an evil woman. So when Jesus calls this person in Thyatira... Jezebel, um, boy, that's definitely not a compliment. Now, again, this is probably a pseudonym for a woman in Thyatira. The name Jezebel was probably being used here as a pseudonym for a woman who was seducing the church just as Jezebel seduced her husband to do evil. And there are others that say, well, Jezebel... Um, you know, represents the Church of Rome or um, or that there was maybe a party of people that were seducing. Yeah, I, I don't think that's the case because Jesus mentions the woman, Jezebel. Let me go back to the text here. And uh, it says here, I have this against you. Let me go over to verse 20 of Revelation 2. You tolerate the woman Jezebel. Again, if you go back if you go back to the, the text, the Greek text, you see that the Greek text describes this person as a singular individual. So I think we're talking about a literal woman who wants to exert power or influence over people in the Thyatira church. And uh, she is seducing them to do evil things. So I, I believe that's what's happening here. So we go on in the text, and Jesus says, "This Jezebel does not want to repent of her fornication. Now if she's teaching other people um, to practice sexual immorality, she's probably teaching it you know by doing it herself. And um, Jesus says that I gave her time to repent. she does not want to repent. And that shows the mercy of Jesus. And what Jesus does, because she doesn't want to repent, Jesus says, I'm going to throw her, unless she repents, I'm going to throw her into a bed. Now, some of your texts may say a bed of sickness or a bed of illness. I don't find the term sickness or illness um, in, in the Greek text. But there's an implication there of that but literally he's gonna throw her onto a bed and judge her the place of her sin okay i.e. a bed for sexual immorality will be the place of her punishment in other words so it's kinda like poetic justice if you will And. Jesus says, and I'm going to put her followers into great tribulation, or great stress, or great uh, pressure. And then he says that he's going to kill Jezebel, this Jezebel of Thyatira's children. Those that followed her practices, who were her disciples, if you will. So this is some pretty harsh stuff. He's going to take care of her, He's going to, Jesus is, and Jesus is going to take care of her disciples. And he says literally about the disciples that you know, he uses a Hebrew term. He says, I'm going to kill them with death, or kill them in death. And it's, it's a Hebrew term to mean that he is going to kill her disciples, her children, with a sure and awful death. So the things don't look very happy uh, for this Jezebel, although at the time she probably didn't know, um, or she wasn't realizing what was going to happen, or her disciples weren't realizing what was going to happen, but um, this is the way judgment goes, many times we will just go on our happy way, Jesus warns us, Jesus warns us, and we don't listen, and then we hit a wall, well that's what's going to happen to this woman. Jesus says that whenever he does this, that all the churches will know that Jesus is the one that searches, who is searching the minds and hearts, and that he is omniscient. Kind of goes back to the the uh, eyes like a flame of fire. And that Jesus, and this makes me shiver, all the churches will know that Jesus will give to each one of you according to your deeds now that's a case where the the pronoun you and your are plural so jesus expands things out and he's saying listen whenever i judge jezebel the, the the churches are going to know that i judge and will give everybody according to their deeds and we find this same thing in revelation 20 verses 12 and 13 matthew 16 27 and Romans 2 6 let's just face it Jesus is just and he is going to judge us based on what we do now for the believer it doesn't mean we lose our salvation but we we can lose rewards by living a life of disobedience for unbelievers there is destruction now we need to remember That human works are the basis for judgment. That doesn't mean that we are saved or not saved by our works. We're saved by faith. But it's what we do after we are saved as believers. Just like I said, we will be rewarded or not be rewarded. We are saved by grace through faith. But we are rewarded by our works after we are saved. So that's for the believer, and again for the non-believer. Um, it's it, First of all, the judgment is going to be, did you know Christ, did you not know Christ? And because you didn't know Christ, well, you're sent away from, from the presence of God. So works, uh, that section there, works does not save people. We know that by Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. But works do give evidence that we are believers. And we find that in James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. So, um, I kind of hovered over that a little bit longer than what I should have, probably, but at least now you know. (laughs) And Jesus goes on, he says, Now to those who do not hold the doctrine of Jezebel, meaning, um, and he says even, the deep things of Satan, which is basically like a full knowledge of evil. Um, uh, to those who don't hold to that doctrine, he puts no other burden on them. So those that weren't following these evil practices, maybe they didn't even know about evil practices. there are some things guys that uh, that are so evil, you don't even really want to know about them, okay? And Jesus says, "For those that weren't following this Jezebel, I am placing no other burden. In other words, just keep doing what you're doing. you know just hold to you to the teaching that you've been given. And then he makes a promise to the overcomer. Now remember, an overcomer is a believer. If you're a believer, you are an overcomer. Jesus will finish the work that he started in you to the one who overcomes and keeps the Lord's work until the end Jesus says that he's going to give authority over the nations and that word authority is like a rule or a reign it is authority responsibility and we find this in many other places in the Bible in Luke chapter 19 verse 17 we find this idea we find in first Corinthians 6 two second 2 Timothy 2:12. 2, Revelation 3:21, Revelation 5, verse 10 and Revelation 20, verses 4 and 5 where the saints are going to share authority with Jesus over kingdoms Are you going to have responsibility in heaven as a believer? Absolutely And there's also a spiritual authority to spread the gospel We can do that right now And there is also authority over the Antichrist, even though many believers will be, um, uh, there will be people who are saved during the time of the Antichrist, and they will be taken out, in most cases, by the Antichrist, but still there's a victory over the Antichrist. He has just a temporal power and authority. Believers will have an eternal power and authority and um, saints are going to reign with christ especially like on his millennial kingdom we'll talk about that lord willing uh, as we get down the road but there's a time period where christ is going to reign on this earth for a thousand years and there will be believers reigning with him so yeah this concept of believers having authority rule responsibility it's found throughout scripture Now, the rule of Jesus is mentioned here, and it says that he's going to rule the nations with a rod of iron. Now, we see this in in Psalm 2, verse 9 as well. So, Jesus is going to rule the nations with a rod of iron. He's going to give mercy to whom he's going to give mercy. He's going to give judgment to whom he's going to give judgment. Mercy will be to believers, judgment will be to non believers. And as Jesus received this authority from his Father, we see that again in Psalm 2, verses 7 through 9, he's going to rule. And his rule is going to be firm and enduring. Now Jesus says he's also going to give the morning or excuse me he's going to give to the overcomer the morning star. We see that in verse 28. Now Jesus is described as the bright and morning star in 2nd Peter chapter 1 verse 19 and also in Revelation 22:16. And what I think this means guys is that believers it's a reference to believers in eternity having Jesus in his fullness and what does that mean well that means that there's we're gonna know him as we are known we're we're gonna have um, we're gonna be with him we're gonna see him we're gonna have there's no more of Jesus than than, uh, what we'll have now we know Jesus through his word now but we're gonna be able to see him and touch him and experience him in eternity I think that's what this means here that believers are going to be given in eternity the morning star. And then at the end we see this this warning or this uh yeah, well, I would say yeah, it's a warning in verse 29. Let me get down there to verse 29. And it says he who has an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. The the the, the message the message to believers that Jesus has is the same that the Spirit has. They're one and the same. God the Father and the Son and the Spirit will all be in agreement. So this message that Jesus gives to the pastor and, and to anyone else, any message from Jesus, in other words, it's also the message of the Spirit. And it says that he who has an ear, that's a spiritual ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So we need to listen to this. So what's, what's the big deal here? What can we take away from this today? Well, number one, leaders of churches need to remember that we cannot tolerate unbiblical doctrine in our churches. Sometimes it's easy to turn a blind eye, or you know, sometimes you're overwhelmed as a pastor, and it's like you can't keep up with everything, and I fully understand that. But if there is heresy, or if there is a doctrine that's leading people away from Christ, a a doctrine that's unbiblical, you have to address it. Now, I've seen and experienced a lot of times where people have tried to come in and lead people away, and you have to nip it in the bud. you have to be careful. Sometimes you want to understand, okay, are you teaching what I think you're teaching? And if you actually find out, when you find out if it's unbiblical teaching, well, if it is, you need to take care of it. Number two, we need to be careful who we listen to. That's why I encourage the, the people of my churches, hey, you do your homework, and if I say something, um, and I'm wrong, you, you, please come and, come and confront me. You guys can do that too. My email address is randy at creationanew.com. You confront me. If I say something wrong, I'm just human, I make mistakes. I try to be as accurate as I can, but I don't want to lead anybody astray. You need to be careful to whom you listen. There are a lot of people that say that they're leaders and church leaders and such like that, that they're not teaching scriptural things. So we need to be careful of that. We need to be careful what we practice as well. Um, if someone tells you that something is okay or not okay you need to go and check it with scripture and this goes to both sides let's take the, the the idea of sexual immorality the church has taught some things as being sexually immoral when the bible says nothing about them well if it's within the confines of marriage uh... if it's not prohibited by scripture you are free to do it there are other things that the church will allow that the bible says don't do that and we need to always side with scripture not with the traditions of men or the traditions of a church denomination or the traditions of anything else just scripture so that's the, the message to the pastor at the Church of Thyatira. And uh, I hope that it's a blessing to you. I hope that your Sunday has been good. And guys, um, I just want to uh, thank you for, for listening. Um, please don't forget to write to me, cre- uh, Randy, at creationanew.com. There are resources that you can find that will help you out on creationanew.com. If you purchase those, you're supporting Creation Anew. Please pray for us. I really appreciate that. And until next time, guys, bye-bye.